nobody knows what a Boggart looks like when he is alone, but when I let him out, he will immediately become whatever each of us most fears. This means that we have a huge advantage over the Boggart before we begin. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots, I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee Esses. In our episode today, we are going to discuss the emotions of terror and horror. This is not the genre. We have discussed the horror genre in the past. This is specifically about the emotion and what you experience and feel when you are writing this fear and how to represent that in your story. We have talked about the four pillars of emotion, and one of them is fear. Terror and horror are subsets, and the primary difference between these and fear itself is how the body reacts. With fear in general, you've got that fight, flight, or freeze. The terror and horror tend to fall under that freeze category. So terror is different than horror because terror often refers to a future, a dread, an anticipation of what is to come, whereas horror often refers to the possibly very recent past. It is shock and revulsion over what has occurred. If I see Lee's arm get chopped off with a chainsaw, that's horror. That's horrifying. If someone is coming after us with a chainsaw and I trip her, that is terror because something is about to happen that I don't like. I would think I was experiencing the terror as you tripped me and I'm about to experience a horrible thing and you just get to keep on running and be safe. Hey, my cardio is not as great as it should be, so sorry. (laughs) Nor is mine. I think you would beat me. (laughs) So when you're writing a scene with these emotions coursing through it, you will need a lot of synonyms because it is so overwhelming. You don't want to keep repeating the same word. So for horror, something that we just saw, there is often panic and alarm, shock. If it's a slightly milder qualms and sometimes tremoring and quaking in the person's spirit and emotions, not just their body. Which that can come in with the terror as well. Some of the synonyms for terror include worry, concern, anxiety, trepidation, uncertainty. Of course, those are all very different levels of terror. Of course, if it's not happening to your main character or you're writing from your villain's point of view or something, someone else's fear can be minimized in a humorous or very casual way. They can get the willies or, oh, I just had a fright. There can be a lot of hand-wringing involved or they get the heebie-jeebies. They're making a fuss. These kinds of things minimize those fears. So depending on your point of view character and your dialogue especially, you might be able to use some of these other ones. And of course, the antonyms, the opposites of this fear, terror, horror is going to be your calm, your ease, tranquility, and serenity. Fear is the root emotion for terror and horror. As Lee mentioned earlier, terror and horror tend to come with that freeze reaction, especially with horror, the can't look away is very common 
It's why there's a lot of traffic delays at collisions because people, even if the lanes are flowing freely, they want to see what happened. They want to see the horrifying result of whatever collision occurred. You can't stop looking at a train wreck. So there's that very like locked in, can't look away of the horror versus the, oh no, he's going to find me sort of terror. So this can be a great tool, especially for your villain, if they understand different kinds of fear. Making sure you shock them with something horrifying will make them stay put. Versus if you jump scare them, then there's fear. They're more likely to fight or flee. Unlike fear, this tends to be a high energy emotion, but a low output. That goes back to the paralytic, where you've got all of this stuff going on inside of you and nothing is happening externally with it, except for what's happening at you. Your body is doing a whole lot of things. It is processing at a very fast rate, but it's locked in place. You might be shaking, you might be trembling, but you're not actually doing anything. So it's that high energy, low output. The exact opposite of the reverend that we talked about before. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Of course, none of these things can be scary to your reader if you haven't set them up properly. There are a lot of ways to do this when it comes to what the character has experienced earlier. They saw someone else's arm get chopped off or what their fears are from their backstory as a childhood trauma, these kind of things. Setting up your scary moment is how you make a moment scary. If you don't, it's the same as playing the Bee Gees under the Darth Vader lightsaber fight. It's just sort of comedic. So with the horror, it is that something just happened and they witnessed it. With the terror, it is setting up so that the reader and the characters know something is going to happen. And in a way you don't like. Film does this really well by setting up these terrifying moments with music and the sound. A lot of minor keys, a lot of creepy, high-pitched screech sounds or low-pitched groaning. And that's an instinct in humans, regardless of your culture. That very high pitch sounds like a scream. That very low pitch sounds like something big. Neither of which are great for our own survival. Now, in writing, this is a lot more difficult to set up because you don't have the audio cues to go along with it. But there are written cues that you can do to help set up these moments correctly. One of the easiest ways to do this is to set up parallels. The character experienced the water thrumming inside of the cup on the dashboard. And what came after that was the T-Rex chomping at them. So next time they see the water thrumming in the cup on the dashboard, they know what's coming next. So set up a parallel so that we can have that extra fear later on. Now you need to understand what it does to the body. We have said a couple of times now that the terror and horror will give the freeze response of the fear triad, flight, fight, or freeze. You're going to have that moment where you write the character and they lock up. So if you're doing that from your main character point of view, you're going to say that nothing was moving, but everything was going through their mind at that moment. Or if they're watching somebody, they're probably shouting them like, come on, get over here, like move. And they're just wide eyed staring in abject horror at something. 
I believe Mythbusters did an experiment around slapping someone to snap them out of whatever it is, and it actually worked. There was a more or less scientific basis for this Three Stooges slapping someone to get them to move or to have any other kind of reaction. If you're portraying it in somebody who is not your main character, they don't hear anything around them, but their eyes are super wide. All of their muscles are clenched, but they're not moving. These types of physical gestures let people know that there's a lot going on inside, not much going on outside. This is definitely one of those emotions that you want the reader to feel with your character. You need the reader to experience what the character is experiencing to really have them connect with the story. Otherwise, it's not going to be a very interesting read. So you need to relate it to situations your reader may have experienced or seen in other kinds of fiction. They haven't been chased by a chainsaw-wielding nut job, but they have been scared out of their wits by chickens chasing them across the yard when they were a kid. These types of parallels are important with as many emotions as you can, but especially when it comes to those fear-based emotions, terror and horror especially, because there's an element of helplessness with that paralytic, your reader is also helpless because all they can do is keep reading. It's not like a movie where they can cover their eyes and wait it out. So tap into that connection with your reader as much as possible. That's going to be your recipe for success. And of course, being able to show what it actually does to the character helps out a lot. Understanding the physical response of the body more than just freezing. Terror and horror will make your body cold. Your blood will drain and pool into certain places of your body because the mind and your systems recognizes there is a problem we need to run, even if your body is freezing. And the body does tend to send blood where it thinks it needs it the most. If it thinks you're about to lose an arm, it's not going to send a bunch of blood to your arm. It's going to keep it in your core as much as possible. On top of that, I think probably going along with all of the blood rushing to the core, most of this emotion is felt in your lungs, the center of your chest, in your core, because that's where everything is suddenly happening. If we're talking about terror more than horror, sometimes that'll move a little bit lower to your gut. That's why we talk about that gut instinct is often about a negative thing. Because your terror of something might happen sits a little lower in your chest than your horror of something that just happened where your hands are going higher on your chest. That old southern woman clutching her pearls. Yeah, same thing, whereas just there's absolute horror in that. She's not doing that because she's anticipating something. She's doing that as a shock reaction to something that has already happened. So, of course, there are different levels to this. There are different levels to terror and horror. You can have that old lady clutching her pearls in horror because she just found out her daughter is in love with the neighbor kid who is poor. Or you can have horror at seeing a massacre on a battlefield. There's a wide range of times that a character can experience these emotions. So it's important to understand the emotions, what it does to the body, and how it will affect your characters and readers. And then you can use that to write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 